here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, the workhorse of conservative talk radio is here. The brains too, but who would brag? I don't brag. Just kidding, hang in there. Another institution is coming under brutal, vicious... A vile assault by the Democrats and their media. And that, of course, is the Supreme Court. You know, it's one thing, ladies and gentlemen, to have disagreements with the court's decision. It's one thing to support convention of states, that sort of thing. But it's quite another to try and destroy the Supreme Court. Article 3 creates the Supreme Court. Congress does not create the Supreme Court. The Constitution does. The framers did. Every bit as much as they created Congress. And in violation of separation of powers, the Democrats continue to insist. They continue to insist that Republican members of the... Excuse me, that... uh, constitutionalists on the Supreme Court come and testify from the Chief Justice to Justice Thomas to Justice Gorsuch. They don't have any power to enforce it. What are they going to do? Go to the courts? But they're supposed to try and avoid these kinds of confrontations if they can. But not the Democrats. This should be a lesson, I think, to at least some judges and justices, that when you allowed the rogue unleashing, the rogue unleashing of Congress and these federal law enforcement entities against Donald Trump, it's come back to, uh, to haunt you, because now the same crowd thinks they can take a whack at you. 
This is an attempt at intimidation. It's an attempt at threatening. This has been going on now for a long time. It went on when Schumer was in front of the Supreme Court steps, pointing to the Supreme Court, screaming at the top of his lungs that they were coming after a couple of the Supreme Court justices, you might recall. Pretty lousy stuff. And yet he did. It's very important. It's very important to keep in mind that the Supreme Court, unlike the lower branches of the, of the judiciary, again, is created by the Constitution itself. Now, what's going on here? They say they want to look into the unethical behavior of Supreme Court justices. Clarence Thomas, who they continue to try and go after, ProPublica or ProPubica out there on the West Coast, radical left-wing operation, obviously spent months digging into Clarence Thomas's background. Another media outlet spent months digging into Gorsuch's background. Nobody ever... Nobody ever dug into Ruth Bader Ginsburg's background or any of the rest of them. It's amazing. So that's what this is. And what's interesting is, in the past, the, just, the, uh, the members of Congress on both parties understood. Understood. Leave the court alone. But not anymore. The Democrat, excuse me, the Democrat Party believes in burning down things if they can't get their way. So they want to burn down the Electoral College. They want to burn down the filibuster rule. They wanted to burn down the Supreme Court because they wanted to pack the court more than one occasion. They want to burn down the voting system. They want to burn down the border. They want to burn down the currency. They want to burn down capitalism. They want to burn down energy independence. Now they circle back to the courts, working hand in glove with the radical leftists uh, in the media. I remember a time when, when we were told, don't attack the court, don't attack the independence, the sanctity of the court, on and on and on. Now it's attacked on a regular basis by the same media goons, Democrat hacks, really, as before. As before. They don't really care about Clarence Thomas's finances. You know how I know? Because they don't care about Joe Biden's finances. As they don't care about the Biden crime family at all. They never ask a single question about it, yet he's president of the United States. They worried about foreign intervention when it came to Trump. Now they expect it when it comes to Biden, and they don't care in the least. Well, what's that all about? I want you to hear the kind of vile, poisonous attack on the court and these originalist justices that took place today. And uh, I want you folks who are 
black or brown or yellow or however you categorize yourselves, I want you to keep something in mind. These white liberals, these white leftist Democrats, these black and brown leftist Democrats, they don't really care about you. And if you step outside the radical left agenda, they will destroy you. They'll certainly try to. They will destroy you in the media. They will destroy you in Congress. You won't find a single black host on MSNBC come to Clarence Thomas's defense. Not one. You won't find a single black host on CNN come to Clarence Thomas's defense. Not one. Not one. Now, this is interesting because they talk about the ethics rules as applied to the Supreme Court. This would be the same Congress, mind you, that just snuck in a vote to give themselves $34,000 in a salary increase, which they call reimbursements, and you were unaware of. This would be the same Congress that was cutting deals on sexual harassment and using your tax dollars to pay off the accusers and... They were signing non-disclosure agreements. And then we found out about it. But they did it behind your backs. The same Congress that uses your tax dollars for junkets. The same Congress that refuses to be on Social Security. They have their own special pension plan. The same Congress that refuses to be on our health care systems. They have their own health care plan. The same Congress that exempts itself from the Freedom of Information Act. Because they don't want you to know what they're doing. They don't want you to know what they're doing. So, first I want you to hear Chris Murphy of Connecticut. Chris Murphy is a reprobate. He's a real sleazeball. He's out of Connecticut. He wasn't even at the hearing today, but he gave a speech. Press conference. I want you to listen to how he speaks about the justices in the court. I wrote an entire book criticizing the court. On no occasion did I accuse justices of what this slimeball accuses them of. Cut 11, go. Right, Supreme Court justices and their families essentially on the payroll of interests, interest groups and individuals who have cases before the court. Right. That's the most obvious, stunning, brazen conflict of interest you can imagine. All right, let's stop. There is not probably a judge in America at any level. At any level. Who doesn't have some at least indirect connection to somebody who has some matter before their court. Particularly the Supreme Court, since the matters are so big and cover such broad areas. You know, like members of Congress. Like members of Congress, how many times do they trade stock right before they have a vote? Do you remember Chris Murphy going to the microphone, whining and complaining about Nancy Pelosi and her big dumb husband? No. Of course not. 
And, of course, Joe Biden, who's bought and paid for by the communist Chinese. He's the Manchurian president. Nothing. Go ahead. Individuals and companies that appear before the court sending money quietly and privately into the pockets of Supreme They're not sending money into the pockets of Supreme Court justices. First of all, we're talking about individuals who purchase land who have long-time relationship in the case of Clarence Thomas. I'm putting money in his pocket. Wasn't a quid pro quo. They have no causal connection to anything. There's no causal connection to any ruling. None. As a matter of fact, I think we talked about this last week. They looked at 20 cases that might have had some connection to one of these individuals or their business. And they found in the case of Clarence Thomas, 12 to 8. 12 times he, he voted or ruled in a way that would be uh, positive, and eight times he voted against. Wow, he's really on the payroll, huh, Mr. Producer? Meanwhile, these bastards in Congress, they've legalized graft. They've legalized graft for themselves. There's more pork in the last spending bill than any time in modern history. Vote for me, I'll get you a park. Give me a donation, I'll change the tax laws. These are the sleazeballs. The Chris Murphy types. Go ahead. Justices, what is so stunning to me is that we can't all agree easily that this is I love when the Democrats say, can't you agree with us to destroy Donald Trump? Can't you agree with us to destroy Clarence Thomas and Gorsuch? Can't you agree with us on abortion? Can't you agree with us on open borders? Come on now. Can't we all get together and explode the budget even further? I mean, it's just common sense. Can't we meet and talk about this? Go ahead. Right. Not everything in Washington, D.C. has to be left versus right. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Right. Well, for me, it's not left versus right. It's you radical Marxist bastards versus us constitutionalists. It's not left versus right. It's good versus evil. You're evil and we're good. Go ahead. Here has to be a controversy. There are some things that public officials do that All are right, so... thank you. And uh, with that prebubescent voice as he screeches his way through it. I've got more. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. 
you got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. All right. We're going to get into this. I've asked the uh, Mr. Producer to gather a number of these clips at this hearing today on the Supreme Court because I think this matters. And uh, we don't have enough time because there's only a minute or so left here, but... You are going to hear from Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and John Kennedy and Lindsey Graham. But you're also going to hear from little Dick Durbin, another Dick on the community, uh, Dick Blumenthal, a third Dick, I mean, uh, Chris Murphy, you already heard. Um, but we can only take so much of these frauds, phonies, and fools. And the fact of the matter is, they're really just doing this as an opportunity to try and destroy the Supreme Court as you will hear, they have all kinds of motives now. And the Democrat Party has nothing but contempt for our system, contempt for the country, contempt for capitalism, and contempt for you. And this is a, a party. It's amazing to me. The media will say, the Democrats and the media will say, the people want you to focus on what matters. How many times have you heard that? The people want you to focus on what matters, gasoline. Now, of course, they've blown up. They're the wrecking balls of our society. Every economic aspect and national security aspect of this country. And then they say the people want us to focus on that, right? And yet, here, apparently the people want us to focus on Supreme Court justices. Oh, no, we can't impeach Mayorkas. The people don't want us to focus on that, morons like Nancy Mace have to say. No, 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 they don't want us to focus. on. And now they're going after Supreme Court justices who they disagree with. That's perfectly fine. Let's focus on that and play defense all the time. I'll be right back. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises full out could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, Call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. 
The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. All right, let's start with uh, Ted Cruz at the judiciary hearing today. Cut six, go. Senate Democrats and their lapdogs in the media are engaged in a twofold political campaign. Number one, to delegitimize the Supreme Court of the United States because they are angry that there are a majority of constitutionalists on the court. But number two, very directly, this is a political campaign designed to smear Justice Clarence Thomas. And the reason is simple. The left despises Clarence Thomas. And they do not despise him because he's a conservative. The left despises Clarence Thomas because he is a conservative African-American. Here's what Clarence Thomas said at that confirmation hearing. He said, if you are a free-thinking African-American, quote, you will be lynched, destroyed, and caricatured by a committee of the U.S. Senate. Well, in three decades, that hasn't changed. and It's gotten worse. And to be clear, here's the left's view. I point to one article just three weeks ago. The Democrats need to destroy Clarence Thomas's reputation. They'll never successfully impeach him, but so what? Make him a metaphor for every insidious thing the far right has done to this country. Isn't that sick? These Stalinist tactics that these bastards use. I've told you before, they use it on Trump. They used it on Bork. They use it on Clarence Thomas. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse, more ubiquitous. Now they have their Stalinist prosecutors all over the country, whether it's Manhattan or Atlanta or Washington, D.C., hunting down Trump, hunting down his staff, hunting down his lawyers, going after Clarence Thomas, going after Gorsuch. Look what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. Look what they're trying to do to uh, other justices. It's just, it's just incredible. If you don't play their game, if you don't buckle to these people, they will ruin you. That's the plan. Mike Lee at the hearing today. Cut five. Go. Today's hearing and the radical left's continued attacks on Justice Thomas and his wife, Jenny, over the last 31 and a half years are part of a sustained, hateful attempt to discredit an honest man and a principled jurist. The left, you see, can't tolerate. It cannot accept the fact that one of our greatest American success stories, that of a humble citizen who rose from poverty in the segregated South to become not only one of the Supreme Court, Supreme Court's longest serving justices, but also one of the most influential jurists our country has ever known, is the story of a black man who happens to be conservative. Now, those leading the charge against Justice Thomas would have us believe that he simply couldn't think for himself, that he can't think for himself. And so his wife and his wife, his white friends must tell him what to think. And the truth is the left simply disagrees with his decisions and with the decisions of our current Supreme Court. And they obviously can't persuade the American people to adopt their radical policies through legislation. So they're attempting to destroy the court's credibility and intimidate the Republican appointed justices and their families starting with Justice Thomas. They're making clear that justices who disagree with them will pay a price. And it's a price that the radical left is determined to ensure is very high. This is all just a thuggish shakedown. Nice Supreme Court you've got there, America. 
sure would be a shame if something happened to it. I mean, you are watching Stalinism before your eyes. You're watching a Pravda media that helps promote it and, of course, defends it. Senator John Kenney at the hearing today, cut seven, go. Not only is this Democratic proposal unconstitutional, it is unnecessary. The attacks on conservative justices are targeted. They're exaggerated. The alarmism is affected. The danger isn't that rogue justices are operating without ethics. It's that Democrats aren't winning every fight and they find that reality intolerable. I've been disappointed by Supreme Court opinions, too. But my Democratic colleagues should fill out a hurt feelings report and move on for the sake of the Constitution. The problem is, Senator, they don't like the Constitution. They don't believe in it. Lindsey Graham, cut eight, go. This is an unseemly effort by the Democratic left to destroy the legitimacy of the Roberts court. It's put people at risk. It's put their personal safety at risk. And if you want to talk about making the court a better institution, I'll be glad to work with in that regard. If you want to talk about destroying the court, count me out. And about conflicts of interest, Justice Kagan, who's a fine person, was the dean of Harvard Law School. She's raised a half a billion dollars for the law school. When she was dean, that's sort of her job. After she left, she's been trying to raise money for Harvard Law School. There's a case <laughs> involving Harvard before the court. She's not going to recuse herself. I'm not saying she should. I'm just saying there's a very selective outrage here. And from our point of view on this side of the aisle, we're going to push back as hard as we can and tell the American people the truth about what's going on here. This is not about making the court better. This is about destroying a conservative court. It will not work. Exactly right. Little Dick Durbin, the chairman of this committee, because the real chairman has dementia and she's incapable of showing up for the meeting, just to be honest with you. Diane Frankenfeinstein. Although Dick Durbin's not much better. He's a real sleazeball. Here's what he said. Cut nine, go. To most objective people, this is not the ordinary course of business, nor should it be a standard for those of us in public service. We wouldn't tolerate this from a city council or member or an old. No, 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 but you tolerate it from your own president, you jackass. You head the Judiciary Committee. Why don't you call hearings about the massive amounts of money that flowed into the Biden family? Why don't you call hearings into the activities of the then vice president and his son, and now he sold his office for profit? Why don't you demand that the Attorney General testify and explain why he has not appointed a special counsel to investigate Biden's connections with the Communist Chinese and his sale of his office when he was Vice President? Why don't you do that, Durbin? You wouldn't take it from a council member? Doesn't this jerk come out of Chicago or thereabouts? Oh, I think he's taken a lot. I don't mean graft. 
What I'm saying here, ladies and gentlemen, is they sit there and they pound their chests whenever there's a Republican president. They sit there and they pound their chests over Republican attorney, uh, 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 Supreme Court justices. They want us to believe that they're really just looking into these matters because they stand on the side of ethics. But they're lying thugs who hate the Constitution. Go ahead. It falls short of ethical standards we expect of any public servant in America. And yet the Supreme Court won't even acknowledge it's a problem. The Chief what Justice. What exactly of- is the problem? I'm just curious. They can't even state that there's some causal connection with a decision and a relationship. They can't demonstrate it, let alone prove it. They can't even explain it. What exactly is the issue? Well, he, he took it. They, he sold some property to this billionaire who had matters before the court. And they act like the billionaire had personally had matters before the court. You know, he's a billionaire. So he's got a lot of money. You know, Bernie Sanders had his way. He hadn't, wouldn't have a penny. In fact, we hang him from a telephone pole by his feet. Because Marxists like to do that sort of thing. So what exactly is the violation here? There isn't any. There aren't any. And so they try and create this idea that something unethical is afoot. These people who are involved in legislation and budget matters and spending endlessly with all kinds of connections and lobbyists and special interests and donors, oh, they're very, very concerned pro-pubica out there, I believe they're in San Francisco, they'll never do an anal exam of little Dick Durbin. Maybe I strung too many things together there, Mr. Producer. But you get my point. Go ahead. Mention it. Meanwhile, the rest of the federal judiciary and the executive and legislative branches have codes of conduct designed to prevent even the appearance it's of not fraud. about a code of conduct, moron. The executive branch has code of conduct for members of the executive branch except the president of the United States. Now, at the drop of the hat, they were conducting criminal and congressional, <laughs> excuse me, congressional investigations of Donald Trump. And yet with Joe Biden, we have a full laptop full of evidence. Evidence everywhere. And nothing. The Democrats in the Senate won't even take a little peek. Go ahead. This is corruption. As this chart tells us, the Supreme Court is an Don't you get tired of being a mouthpiece for your staff, you little runt? Don't you get tired of that? What a jerk this guy is. I'm done with him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you guys are worried. Federal Reserve staff said banking crises fallout could push the economy into recession this year. But you can do something about that. Learn how to protect the retirement you worked really hard for. I think a great way is to diversify with gold and specifically a gold IRA. That's right, physical gold in your IRA. 
My favorite gold IRA company is Augusta Precious Metals. You got to call these guys and learn how a gold IRA can help you. So if you've saved 100000 or more in a 401k or an IRA, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them Mark sent you, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA. Call Augusta Precious Metals today, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions. Get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. What a great company. Well, we have one A-hole to go. People of Connecticut should be proud with Chris Murphy and and Dick Blumenthal, another, another Dick in the Senate, Dick Blumenthal. Now, you remember, this is the guy that pretended he saw combat in Vietnam, which caused Donald Trump to call him, which is hilarious, Denang, <laughs> Denang Dick. <laughs> well, uh, what do you expect? Anyway, uh, he's very concerned about all this. They all feign their concern. They're all such disgusting reprobates. Here he is. Cut 10. Go. The fact of the matter is the American public want action. The American public is disgusted. You don't even know what the hell you're talking about. The American people. The fact of the matter is. Like he's. uh, Forget the guy's name. Oh, the fact of the matter is the American people are disgusted. Yes, we want action. A-C-T-I-O-N. We want action. We're disgusted with you, you schmuck. Go ahead. What they see in public life. It's what they, not they. What they see in public life. Get the lectures from the Democrats. It's hilarious. Go ahead rating of standards and conduct that would never be tolerated in their own workplaces. What are you talking about? What conduct? I just want to remind you what they did to Brent Kavanaugh. I just want you to remind you what they did to Clarence Thomas during his hearing. I just want to remind you what they did to Robert Bork. These are the disgusting. And then they sit there with Ted Kennedy on the, uh, on the committee, Chappaquiddick Ted. And they sit there with hands, uh, with hands Biden on the committee. This, the uh, Democrat Party. Go ahead. And in their own private lives. And they want us to provide that action. What are you the, talking about? You, uh, do you have to be mentally deranged to be on this uh, committee as a Democrat? And... Uh, yeah, with that uh, action. What action, you jerk? You don't even know what you're talking about. Go ahead. Public confidence in the United States Supreme Court has plummeted. We can go back No, 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 no. You've destroyed it. Because you didn't get your way. You, you want to abort with abandon. We want to abort. We hate babies. We want to abort. Yes. Woman's choice. Abort. Abort here. Abort there. Abort everywhere. Abort. Abort. And they said it's up to the states, those bastards. It's up to the states. We want to abort in the last second of pregnancy. Well, that's not what's in wrong. We don't care, says Lon Chaney. Go ahead. As to what the cause is, but 
a lot of the American public are increasingly... Why do you see- think you speak for the American public? You of all people. Why do you think you speak for the American public? You don't speak for the American public. Wait, uh, uh, seriously, what's he talking about? Go ahead. As politicians in robes, and now after the... Politicians in robes. Wow. So you believe in strict compliance with the college? No, they don't. Folks, the same people who want to pack the court, these are them. Who want to destroy the court, these are those people. And we don't need lectures about ethics from Democrats in Congress. That's for sure. We don't need lectures about ethics from Democrats who want to investigate their own party, the Bidens. We don't need lectures from Democrats who spent several years trying to destroy Donald Trump with a phony dossier. We don't need lectures from these bums, these rat thinks, who sneak stuff into legislation to make your life miserable. All right, we'll move on, but it had to be said. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, as I'm doing research and reading and studying and doing all these sorts of things till god-awful times in the morning and at night, I'd like to share some of it with you. A little bit of history, a little bit of law, a little bit of economics, a little bit of the Constitution. Just so when you walk away from this program, you have a little extra. And there's a piece, I'm not going to read it all, but I'll read a chunk of it. In Reason from six years ago. Called FDR's War Against the Press. By David T. Beto, B-E-I-T-O. And he says... uh, Franklin Roosevelt revised the media rules in a profound way. He said, manipulating the media, Roosevelt had a good relationship with the press at the start of his public career. Journalists found him quotable and amusing. By 1934, this honeymoon at Frey, remember he got elected 32, and a year later it had given way to a war of words. Roosevelt complained constantly about the press's poisonous propaganda, quote-unquote. With a tone of mock sympathy, he reassured reporters that he understood they were not to blame because publishers told them what to write. In the 1936 election, Roosevelt claimed that 85% of the newspapers were against him. 
In the standard work on the subject, historian Graham White finds that the actual percentage was much lower, and the print press generally gave FDR balanced news coverage, but most editorialists and columnists were indeed opposed to his administration. And there's more. Convinced that the media were out to get him, Roosevelt warned in 1938, quote, that our newspapers cannot be edited in the interests of the general public from the counting room, and I wish we could have a national symposium on that question, particularly in relation to the freedom of the press. How many boogies are conjured up by invoking the greatly (coughs) overworked phrase, you know, freedom of the press? Roosevelt's relationship with radio was warmer. The key distinction was that broadcasters operated in an entirely different political context. Thanks to federal rules and administrators, they had to tread much more lightly than newspapers did. At its inception in 1934, the Federal Communications Commissions reduced the license renewal period for stations from three years to only six months. And I talked about some of this in Unfreedom of the Press, but I don't expect you would have memorized it. Meanwhile, Roosevelt tapped Herbert Petty as secretary of the FCC. Its predecessor was the Federal Radio Commission. Petty had overseen radio for Roosevelt in 1932 campaign. And after his appointment, he worked in tandem with the Democrat National Committee to handle, quote-unquote, radio matters with both the networks and local stations. So... He takes his campaign hack on radio to run the FCC to oversee radio. He reduces the licenses for broadcast licenses from three years to six months so he can hold that sword over their heads. You don't agree with him, you don't get your license. And keep in mind, this is the most beloved president in American history for the hardcore left-wing Democrats. He was a tyrant. Didn't take long for broadcasters to get the message. NBC, for example, announced that it was limiting broadcasts, quote, contrary to the policies of the United States government, unquote. CBS Vice President Henry Bellows said that, quote, no broadcast would be permitted over the CBS system that in any way was critical of any administration policy, unquote. He elaborated, quote, that the Columbia system was at the disposal of President Roosevelt and his administration, and they would permit no broadcast that did not have his approval, unquote. Local station owners and network executives alike took it for granted, as editor and publisher observed, that each station had to dance to government tunes because it's under government license. Some dissident radio commentators gained while wide audiences, but they eventually were pushed out. For Roosevelt, of course, the main advantage of radio was that the networks knew they, they had to carry his frequent fireside chats and other speeches in full, usually with minimal commentary. As the media historian Betty Halchin Winford notes, radio allowed the president to be the news gatherer, the reporter, as well as the editor, all at the same time. Even as he was securing domination of the ether 
Roosevelt worked hard to neutralize criticism from the print media. He used a combination of manipulation and intimidation. By 1935, the famous Roosevelt charm was much less of a guarantee of success, and his press conferences became increasingly orchestrated. He singled out some reporters who wanted to ask questions and ignored others. Writing in the Washington Post in 1938, Harlan Miller commented that Roosevelt only answered questions which enabled him to utter an oral editorial. He selects only those on which he can ring the bell. He also gave special access to pro-administration outlets, such as David Stern's Philadelphia Record and Marshall Field's Chicago Sun. Another field publication, PM, was probably the closest facsimile to the New Deal uh, mouthpiece. Repeatedly demonized, the PM repeatedly demonized FDR's enemies, often comparing them to fascists. These pro-New Deal outlets had a special entree to top administration officials who gave them valuable scoops. Interesting so far, isn't it? Now, I've talked to you about this as well. There was a senator by the name of Hugo Black from Alabama. He'd been a member of the Klan. He was the first nominee by Roosevelt to the Supreme Court. And he was confirmed. And I guess little Dick Durbin and his comrades on the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Democrats, those are the good old days, you know, when justices were ethical. The Black Committee Roosevelt's intimidation efforts reached their apogee in the hands of the Senate's special committee on lobbying. The president indirectly recruited Hugo Black, who was chairman as zealous, effective New Deal loyalist as there was. The committee's original mission was to probe the opposition campaign to, quote, the death sentence, unquote, in the public utility holding company bill, a provision that would have allowed under certain circumstances the dissolution of utility holding companies. But the Black Committee gained gained traction with the public when it brought to light evidence that some lobbyists had concocted thousands of fake telegrams sent to Congress to protest that bill. Smelling blood, though, Black expanded the investigation into a general probe of anti-New Deal voices, including journalists. Now you know why Roosevelt put him on the Supreme Court. The Treasury Department under Roosevelt granted Senator Black access to tax returns dating back to 1925 of such critics as David Lawrence of the United States News. Now they were going after news outlets. Then he moved to obtain their target's private telegrams, demanding that telegram companies let the committee search copies of all incoming and outgoing telegrams for the first nine months of 1935. Sounds like the lawsuit overseen by the Delaware judge in Biden country in Wilmington. When Western Union refused on privacy grounds, the FCC, at Black's urging, ordered it to comply. Over a nearly three-month period at the end of 1935, FCC and Black committee staffers searched great stacks of telegrams in Western Union's D.C. office, operating with virtually no restriction. They read the communications of sundry lobbyists, newspaper publishers, and conservative political activists, as well as every member of Congress. Writing to Black, one investigator stated they'd gone through 35,000 to 50,000 
Western unions a day, telegrams. Various newspapers and members of Congress later estimated that staffers had examined some 5 million telegrams over the course of the investigation. In 2017, this would be akin to staffers from a congressional committee in the FCC teaming up the headquarters of Google and Yahoo and then spending months secretly searching emails. Wow. Or maybe Twitter. Or maybe the Fox emails and texts, huh? The committee used the information it found on a basis for more than 1,000 new subpoenas. And one of these was for all incoming and outgoing telegrams. Not just those through Washington, D.C., of W.H. Cole's anti-New Deal newspaper chain in the Northwest. The subpoena's vast reach alarmed Western Union executives who didn't want to drive away privacy-conscious customers. In early February 1936, the company adopted a new policy of telling all targeted individuals that Senator Black and his committee had searched their telegrams. Before this time, the committee had been able to do its work in secret. Most of its targets had no clue about what was happening. As more people found out, the committee faced intensified opposition. The angriest response might be that of Newton Baker, a cautious critic of the New Deal, who'd served as Woodrow Wilson's Secretary of War. And after Western Union informed him that Black's committee had examined his telegrams for an entire year, he wrote, Man of peace as I am, I am quite sure I could not keep my hand off the rope if I accidentally happen to stumble upon a party bent on hanging him. The clash with Hearst, meanwhile, Black was taking on the most famous newspaper publisher in American history. William Randolph Hearst, exuberant nationalist, law and order advocate, Hearst had been instrumental in securing Roosevelt's nomination in 1932, but had since turned against his old ally. Roosevelt reciprocated by instructing the Department of Treasury to closely monitor Hearst's taxes, in other words, the IRS. In February 1936, the Black Committee served a subpoena on Hearst directly for a telegram he had sent on April 5, 1935, to James T. Williams, Jr., an editorial writer for the Hearst Papers. Now, you can see how FDR is working with Black, but he's hiding in the background, much like Biden's working with Durbin to go after the Supreme Court. Now, in that communication marked confidential, Hearst asked Williams to write editorials calling for the impeachment of Representative John McSwain, Democrat, South Carolina, the chair of the House Military Appropriations Committee. It's odd that Black publicly subpoenaed the original telegram from Hearst since he had the copy. In any event, in March, Hearst petitioned the Supreme Court of the District of Columbia to enjoin Western Union from handing over the telegram. The suit charged that the committee had violated the first, fourth, and fifth amendments, adding the telegram contained no reference to lobbying. So Black pulled back in a coup de crowd. Black minimized the potential legal damage. At the same time, he vented his anger at Western Union for its uncooperative attitude in a public letter to the head of the co- uh, company. He accused the owners of putting the needs of one particularly high-volume customer, William Randolph Hearst ahead of the good of the nation. Now, one of Black's colleagues on the committee, Senator Sherman Minton, Democrat, Indiana, used the occasion to mount a well-coordinated attack on Hearst, and all he presented in a speech on the Senate floor, he revisited the newspaper mogul's misdeeds dating back to the Spanish-American War. 
So they were trying to destroy the guy. Like Black Minton depicted Hearst and other anti-New Dealers as the real enemies of free speech for spreading fascist propaganda and stealthily promoting a financial relationship. I'm reading this for a reason. You can see what's happening today with Clarence Thomas, the media, the Democrats, how they're coordinating. Same with Neil Gorsuch, the originalists on the court. You can see how they did this with, <coughs> excuse me, with Donald Trump, and they're still doing it. And you can see, in my view, how they did it with Fox News. And before that, conservative talk radio. Black's release of the Hearst Telegram backfired. Critics really became very concerned about it. Despite this outward self-confidence, Black had cause for concern. He was meeting resistance from unexpected quarters, including liberal columnists like Walter Lippmann. Despite the outward confidence, Black did have cause for concern. And in the face of mounting congressional opposition and to defend off a possible injunction, the FCC announced that any telegrams that it seized were now in the possession of the Special Committee of Congress. So here you have Democrats in the executive branch and in the Senate coordinating their attack on the First Amendment and these newspapers. The committee's most powerful champion was Franklin Roosevelt, although he carefully avoided tipping his hand in public. Although members of the committee talked about resuming the deliberations in winter, never met again under Black's chairmanship. For obvious reasons. 1937. The president overplayed his hand by pushing a plan to appoint additional justices to the court. He was shocked by the pushback by many Democrats. A leader in the opposition was the Committee for Constitutional Government, led by publisher Frank Gannett. Formed only days after Roosevelt's plan. Guess what happened to Gannett, Mr. Producer? He was subjected to an internal revenue investigation. The owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer, Moses Annenberg, anti-New Dealer, he was subjected to an internal revenue service investigation. Roosevelt would tell his Treasury Secretary Morgenthau that he wanted Annenberg in prison. Those are the Democrats. Those are the ones holding the hearings today trying to destroy the constitutionalists on the Supreme Court. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. 
That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. The Democrats' war on your freedom of speech in a real free press, unlike the American Pravda that we have today, has been ongoing through Democrat administrations, including the Biden administration. Remember the Disinformation Committee? It still exists in different forms. They just figured out how to camouflage it. Remember what they were doing with Twitter, the FBI and DHS? Adam Schiff and the rest of the slime balls out there? The FBI itself? It's open to file on millions and millions of Americans. Remember the Inspector General's testimony? They don't believe in the First Amendment. Remember Chuck Schumer proposing an amendment to the Constitution that would empower government to basically scuttle it? These are bad people. These are bad people. I'll be right back. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I want to thank you folks again. Marvelous people in this audience. On uh, Sunday night, our 8 p.m. show was the number one show on the entire weekend. Sunday night and Saturday night and all throughout both days. And that's due to you. I know it is. And I want to thank you. And we do the very best we can and we will continue to do so. Come hell or high water. Regardless of how you're feeling about certain things and so forth. You keep checking us out. We're going to keep doing a great show. We have two great guests this coming Sunday. We have Alan Dershowitz, who I'm going to talk to. You know, well, Mark, we see him all the time. You don't see him in a long-form interview. Not with me. You haven't seen that in a very, very long time. Several years, as a matter of fact. 
So that's going to be fascinating. Remember the young lady we spoke to? A refugee from North Korea. She escaped to China, then South Korea, then to the United States. And went to Columbia University and spoke about how she saw a lot of North Korea, Columbia University. We're going to have her on for the other half of the program on Life, Liberty, and Live In. So I hope you'll watch. Because from totally different perspectives and backgrounds, these two individuals have a lot to say about what we're facing in this country. Alan Dershowitz has said to me, he has said, I'm not a progressive, I'm a liberal. And I know what he means by that, and so do you. He means I'm not part of this radical Marxist agenda. I'm an old-time liberal, a civil libertarian. That's why many of you like him. You may not agree with him all the time, but you like him. And yet on core issues, we really do tend to agree, don't we? On liberty issues, the Bill of Rights. He's been there. He takes a lot of crap on Martha's Vineyard and elsewhere, and he doesn't really care. He's also said to me, I don't think I could ever go back to Harvard Law and teach. I don't think they'd, they'd allow me to. In fact, I think that there would be a student uprising against it. Now think about that, because I think he's right. So we'll have Alan Dershowitz. We'll also have the young lady who escaped North Korea to tell us about Yemeni Park. Tell us about the experiences she had at Columbia and with the left and how it's quite similar. Quite similar. And I mean, it's something we need to pay attention to. Dershowitz from old liberalism. Yamini Park from North Korea. We've got to listen to these people with respect to what they see what's happening in America today. And they're appalled. They're shocked. And as you know, our republic is under attack by these American Marxists. Former President Trump is charged by a Soros-backed phony prosecutor with phony charges, phony, politically charged charges. Others are lining up, I fear, to do the same. The so-called climate crisis is being used to excuse massive spending, massive regulations, and I want to get into more of this with you because they're now targeting your air conditioners. Climate change. Ideology. The ruling class. The end of representative government. Biden's Cold War anti-air conditioner regulations keep piling up at Fox News. Ben Lieberman. Think Biden administration regulators have it for gas stoves? Just wait until you learn what they have in store for air conditioners. In fact, many homeowners are already finding out firsthand it's all part of Team Biden's prioritization of climate change policy over the interest of consumers. This has nothing to do with climate change, folks. The truth is, I've told you this for years, it has to do with degrowth, war on capitalism, impoverishing our country, and controlling you. So you'll have to beg the government. Anytime you want to eat, anytime you want to drive, if you want to build a home, if you want to move into an apartment, that's what's going on. Now that air conditioning season is commencing, 
Across much of the country, nearly 100 million homeowners are turning on their systems for the first time since last summer, hoping they get cold air. Those that don't will need repairs, which may require replacing refrigerant that has leaked out of the system. Now, what's interesting is they've already replaced this refrigerant. They've already driven up the cost of refrigerants. They've already changed them, and they've changed these HVAC systems, these air conditioning systems, window air conditioners too, but they're not done. Unfortunately, new EPA regulations are limiting supplies of these refrigerants. The result of a law targeting them as contributors to climate change. The production quotas. There are production quotas. You know, our government doesn't seize industries and money the way Bernie Sanders wants them to. It does it through the back door, through regulations and taxes. Same outcome for you, either way. The production quotas. It sounds like uh, the Soviet Union, doesn't it? Communist China. Cuba. Venezuela. The production quotas have driven up their price about threefold, threefold for refrigerants. And a recharge may cost you 100 to $500 more, more than before those provisions took effect, depending on how much replacement refrigerant is needed. So let's say you have an older system. It doesn't even have to be old. I said older. And it's been leaking refrigerant. You have no idea. And you turn it on. It's not working. Okay, we need to load the thing up. How much is it? Oh, 2200 bucks. What are you talking about? We can barely get this stuff anymore. Why? Because the government put quotas on it. You ready for this? The refrigerant quotas get much tighter next year in 2024. So expect repair bills to continue to rise over the 100 to $500 more than they will be this year. In addition, new EPA rules aimed at those who service air conditioners, such as the one requiring refrigerants to be carried around in heavy, refillable cylinders, so people have to go out and buy these cylinders, will also impose costs likely to be passed on to you. Now, the shock from a high repair estimate might be enough to induce some to consider buying a new system instead. But the news there is even worse. The Department of Energy, a.k.a. the Department of No Energy, their efficiency standards add to EPA measures to create an expensive one-two regulatory punch. The efficiency standards in the new systems are supposed to save consumers money. But in reality, excessively stringent requirements can raise the upfront cost of the equipment more than many will ever earn back in the form of energy savings. Like the electric vehicle. You'll do it our way whether you like it or not. Central air conditioners are already impacted, while a proposed new regulation for window units is in the early stages. And in both cases, the claimed climate change benefits are a big part of the agency's rationale. You can do anything under the heading of climate change. I've explained that. Anything. Anything. Installers say central systems jumped up by over $1,000 when the new rule took effect last January 1. And a total cost of $10,000 for a new air conditioning system is no longer a rarity. 
You believe this, Mr. Producer? Not to be left out, the EPA has a new proposed regulation. These are all laws, not passed by Congress. They just do it. The Biden administration, violating separation of powers, just does it. So the EPA has a new proposed reg that would put additional upward pressure on air conditioning prices by outlawing the most affordable remaining models in 2025. Why? Well, these systems are deemed insufficiently climate-friendly. Specifically, they use refrigerant considered a potent greenhouse gas, while new redesigned systems have been engineered to use more environmentally benign ones. And if you're wondering where the big air conditioner manufacturers stand on all this, well, they actually joined forces with environmental activists and petitioned the agencies for the rule the effect of which is to create a captive market for the greener but costlier new models they've conveniently already developed. Big government and corporatists. And most Republicans would say, no, 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 don't fight them. No, 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 don't fight Disney. Don't fight big air conditioning. No, 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 no. That's not our role, small government. Small government? These companies push for big government. Last year's Inflation Reduction Act extended a $600 tax credit applicable to new systems. But that won't come close to covering the additional costs resulting from the regulatory onslaught. Fixing an air conditioner or buying a new one is getting very expensive thanks to these phony climate change regulations added over the past two years with more to come. I want you to think about that. People who who are just getting by with higher gasoline prices, higher food prices, their energy, excuse me, their air conditioning system goes kaput, whether it's a window air conditioner or an HVAC system. What the hell are they going to do? What are they going to do? How are they going to make ends meet? And Biden says he's not raising taxes on you. Meanwhile, if you receive $600 over the course of a year or send $600 over the course of a year, say to maybe your mother needs help or something like that, you're going to get a 1099 form to pay taxes on it. But don't worry, he's not taxing. He's not taxing people who earn under $400,000 a year. All these price increases and shortages... Increased costs for air conditioners and automobiles and all the rest of it. No, those aren't taxes. No, no, no. We're getting the billionaires. Don't you understand? I'll be right back. Mark in. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. 
That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N PODCAST, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. Jeez, there was another hearing today. You're not going to believe it. Interior Secretary, we've got really a bunch of geniuses in this administration. They're all morons driven by ideology. They can't think for themselves, they can't reason. Utterly illogical. It's just incredible. It's like, let's pick the stupidest people to be Secretary of Interior, Attorney General, Secretary of Energy. Just the dumbest people we can find because they have a right to representation in the government too, don't they, Mr. Producer? Stupid people are the forgotten people. They're the unrepresented people. I would say this to Chuck Todd. There's a spectrum of stupid people. Just ask any biologist. And he's on the low end of the spectrum. Chuck Todd, I think, is the first man or woman, you know, they're on a spectrum, according to Chuck, on network TV to ever say, check with the experts on whether or not there's two sexes. Check with the experts, because there's a spectrum, you see. It's a spectrum. When I was a kid, we used to go to the Spectrum to watch the 76ers play basketball, but I never knew it applied to sex, gender. But Meet the Depressed has it all figured out with Chuck Todd. They're not embarrassed at all by putting that complete putz in front of a camera. What else is the Biden administration doing to screw up your life? More when I return. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. We got a lot going on this hour, including the wonderful Haley McEnany's coming on the program. She's a very, very sweet person and very, very sharp person. We're going to talk to her about her fantastic new book as well. And it could help a lot of people. Serenity in the Storm, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. So you'll want to hear about her and her book, what she's been up to. I talked about this mortgage issue, but before I do that, I may do that near the end of the show. I want you to hear something. Because as I said, we have a lot to do, and we don't have a lot of time to do it. We need our fourth hour, Mr. Producer, especially in New York on WABC. Do you know who Deb Halen is, ladies and gentlemen? She's the Interior Secretary. We don't know who any of these reprobates are. She's at a hearing on Biden's 2024 budget, yesterday, uh, today rather, and Josh Hawley's questioning her, and I don't know about you, but... I don't know that I'd want to be questioned by Josh Hawley. He's tough. Cut 12, go. 
On the subject of these sweeping mandates related to electric vehicles that the Biden administration has imposed, including now for our military, the metals needed to make the lithium-ion batteries in those vehicles are, of course, lithium, nickel, graphite, and cobalt. Now, can you tell me what nation is the largest producer of refined lithium in the world? No, I can't. It's China. Can you tell me which nation is the largest producer of refined cobalt in the world? No, Senator. It's China. Do you know what nation is the largest exporter of natural graphite to the United States globally? No, Senator. It's China. Okay. So in all of these instances, these mandates, your decision to trade off our energy security in favor of a radical climate change agenda is making us more and more dependent on China. And at the same time, you are denying mining, blocking mining, blocking permits for mines in this country that would allow us to develop nickel and copper and cobalt. See, this is this is a nation that's being dragged into destruction by the Democrat Party. If you're a Democrat out there, you have to ask yourself at this point, why? But it goes on. Cut 13. Go. Why? Why block the development of these resources in our own nation in favor of making us dependent on China. Senator, are you referring to the Boundary Waters? I'm referring to the, to the Twin Metals Mine in Minnesota. I think that Senator Bross was just asking about it. Yes, uh, near the Boundary Waters, which is an iconic place and, of course, um, a very valuable ecological um, system to many plants, animals, species. Um, but jobs for, let me just say this, though, the, the jobs for blue-collar workers in this nation are valuable resources. The livelihood and well-being of American families are valuable resources. The ability of America to have our own industry and not be dependent on China is a valuable resource. Why should those things for millions of Americans be sacrificed in, in favor of your agenda for radical climate change? Senator, I, I know that uh, there's like 1.9 jobs for every American in the country right now. So I know there's a lot of jobs. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me <laughs> you're telling me we've got too many jobs in the country. Well, I'm saying that we don't have enough people. That's why we are um, having a hard time finding folks to work at our department. But oh, wait, can't. you're telling me that we have too many jobs for blue collar work. Have, have you seen the number of jobs we have lost in this country to China in the last 20 years? Do you know where those jobs come from? Over three million jobs have gone to China. Do you know where those jobs have come from? They've come out of Midwestern towns like the ones I represent. They are blue collar workers. And you're sitting here and telling me that we have too many jobs in this country. Are you serious? Senator, we are working hard every single day. There are we, we have processed 20 mining applications, 20 mines or mining modification permits since January of 2021. We are moving forward. We're doing our jobs. We're fulfilling our mission for you're the not moving forward. You're moving backward. You're shutting down and denying permits for mines in this country where we can develop our own resources. You're shutting down oil and natural gassing permits. You're you're approving taxes and royalties that deliberately suppress American energy development in favor of a climate change agenda. And now you're sitting here and telling me we've got too many jobs in this country. We've got gobs of jobs in this country. We don't need any more jobs in this country. I want to take the strongest possible exception 
to that comment and that to that entire mentality, which I think is very honest. I think it reflects the mentality of your administration, which is when it comes to blue collar workers in this country, you're on your own. Good luck. Good luck to you. We got plenty, you know, just shut up and go get a job at McDonald's, you know, whatever. No more quit complaining about the loss of American industry. I mean, good Lord. That is extraordinary. What an extraordinary response. Yeah, and at the same time, driving up the cost of everything. Driving up the cost of everything. Illegal aliens pouring over the border. Taking work, getting paid under the table. Whatever happened to the private sector unions in this country? Why aren't they jumping up and down about illegal immigration? Why aren't they jumping up and down about the hollowing out of the industrial heartland of this country? Have their union bosses completely sold out to the Democrat Party that they can't even represent their members properly? I mean, think about it. These are all ideological elitists. Not one of them has ever gotten dirt under their fingernails. Not one of them has ever had to struggle for anything. Now I want to circle back to this mortgage issue while I have time. New rules for Federal Housing Finance Agency giving low credit borrowers better rates went into effect yesterday. It's the Biden administration's mortgage redistribution plan. They got a thousand ideas, folks. It's one more boot on the neck of the housing market. Kristen Altus, Fox Business. Under new rules from the Federal Housing Finance Agency that take effect yesterday, borrowers with lower credit ratings and less money for a down payment will qualify for better mortgage rates than they otherwise would have, while those with higher ratings will pay increased fees. Now look at that. What are they incentivizing here? What they always incentivize. Stupidity. Person's credit score is one of the most important indicators of their credit worthiness for lenders. Up in a determinant of a prospective borrower will qualify for a loan, and what interest rate will, repli- will apply even more than that, it's whether or not they'll be able to pay their mortgage every month. Didn't we just go through this a couple decades ago? It destroyed the housing market. It almost destroyed our entire economy. Didn't we go through this crap with the Democrats? And they're at it again. But they don't vote on it in Congress, no. It's a regulation. According to a recent analysis from bank rates, someone with a below average credit score of 640 seeking a $350,000 mortgage with 20% down, paid 10500 in fees before the new regulations. Now they'll pay $7,875. you are going to get them a mortgage, and they're not going to be able to pay it. Meanwhile, anybody with a 740 credit rating, taking out that same loan, taking it out, you paid $1,750 in fees, now you're going to pay $3,062 in fees. Another boot on the neck of the industry. Other real estate agents and economists have warned the Biden policy will disproportionately impact responsible homeowners. So take out loans to go to school, student loans. Don't worry. The average American will reimburse you. They'll take care of your debt. You have good ratings. You work hard. You do what you're supposed to do. You haven't overreached. 
All right, you have a nice credit rating, so you'll pay more. And the schlub next door, who's sitting there on his butt not doing anything, who's got a poor credit rating, he'll get a better deal than you. This is the Biden administration, ladies and gentlemen, while they're jacking up the price of your air conditioning and all the rest, jacking up the price of automobiles, jacking up the price of everything. But don't worry, we're not going to raise your taxes just on billionaires. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One of my favorite people, and I mean this, and same with my wife, is Kaylee McEnany. Because in addition to being brilliant and kind and decent, she knows how to give as good as she gets on these different shows and so forth. And she's a person of deep faith. Obviously, I'm Jewish. She's Christian. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing, as a matter of fact, if you believe in the same God. And if it gives you solace, and it gives you morality, and it gives you some kind of, uh, I don't know, comfort, I would say. Kaylee McEnany, you've written a fantastic book, as usual, Serenity in the Storm. How are you, by the way? Hey, I'm doing great, Mark. It's so good to talk with you. And I've got to say, you are one of my favorite people, as you know. Me and my husband, Sean, we love you, uh, listen to you forever. And it's just it's great to join you. Always an honor. And he's a great guy, too. And um, you have two kids now, right? Two. Uh, one who kept me up all last night, the five month old. So <laughs> it happens. That's right. My left foot kept me up all night. I have a neuropathy. But that's a whole other story. Anyway, <laughs> tell us about this book generally, and then we'll get into the specifics. You know, look, Mark, I, I felt very deeply about this because. I, you know, for my whole life, I've loved politics ever since a young age. I, I was this eight-year-old cheering for Bob Dole on the playground. I mean, I, I've just been animated by the political process. And, mm -hmm. you know, while I don't have, you know, many, many decades, I certainly have observed something that has changed, you know, from my time in college and law school where I watched the Obama battles play out um, through the Bush years. I've noticed something transformative happening. And it is so much bigger than a political party. And look, I'm a committed conservative. Um, that's what I am. But it's bigger than left or right. I, I just feel that we as a people of faith, Jewish, Christian, believers in God, we look to something bigger than ourselves. It's been left behind. Uh, total forsaking of God, complete abolition of, of patriotism on the part of the left, family unit being destroyed, and this fabric that really makes our country up, faith, freedom, and and God, um, really, um, and patriotism, it's just gone. It's fallen by the wayside, and I feel very deeply that we've got to return to that, or we're going to lose our country. It's, it's bigger than 2024. 2024 is important, but something deeper is happening. And something deeper is happening, and uh, why do you think that's happening? What's causing that? Well, when you look back, I, I mean, there was a recognition going back to, let's say, the 50s and 60s before they took prayer out of schools, um, before a professor or a teacher, a high school teacher, wasn't allowed to read a Bible in silent prayer at his desk, before a football coach wasn't allowed to kneel at the 50-yard line in silent prayer. You know, as this was going on, 
what we saw was a Supreme Court that warned, even as we take these things away, we are warning against a religion of secularism. We are warning against taking out of our founding documents something that has been there. And it was an admission that there's a supreme being, an admission that there's something guiding this country, that the American dream is alive and real, and it's guided by a supreme being. There was this recognition there, even as these kind of uh, boundaries were hashed out as to what no official state religion would look like. But all of a sudden, those boundaries went by the wayside, and you have a radical left that has said, we don't care about faith, we're going to turn it on its head. If a transgender slaughters six Christians, we're going to turn it around and make the victim the perpetrator and so forth. It's insidious, it's malicious, and you know you wonder why all of a sudden in the last really five years, I would say, you have this resurgence of something that is so powerful, so strong, so evil, and has really infected a side of the political aisle. And by the way, I know you to be a very thoughtful person, a very kind person, a person with great integrity, no matter what anybody's saying in the last 48 hours. I just want to make that abundantly clear from my perspective. And this book demonstrates that as well. So what do you think can be done about this? We as parents, uh, we as believers need to stand up. And I think it means sharing the truth. You know, I hate when people say, share your truth. No, there is there's a truth. And some of these truths are America is the greatest country on planet Earth. God does exist. There are two genders, male and female. These are truth. You know, some of this has been science for a long time, and then it's turned on its head because the science isn't woke enough. You know, so we as people of really common sense, I should say more than anything, need to speak the truth and do so boldly. Um, but, you know, as First Peter 3.15 says, when we do speak boldly, it needs to be accompanied with gentleness and respect. So when I share, um, you know, my beliefs, I share why I'm a conservative, the principles that make sense to me. When I share my faith, I share my story of how God's guided me through life, through loneliness, through tough times as a young person, um, through the social media generation. You know, I share my story and how it's affected me in a positive way, without name-calling, without disrespect, with kindness and with gentleness, um, and realizing, you know, at the end of the day, we may be on two different sides of the political aisle, but I believe in human decency, and I believe common sense will win out. So I think that's, that's how we do it, and it's speaking boldly and not shying away, despite the repercussions that may happen in the corporate world, in the political world, and so forth. And in your book, you take on some uh, big subjects. Um take on Afghanistan, you take on Ukraine, you take on abortion. You have an excellent chapter on liberty. You talk about education. I'm just looking at my notes. Um, and then society, the unrecognizable world. And this is what you're talking about. And I feel like I talk about it, but you talk about it. You reflect on faith and what's happening in the world and so forth. How do we get people back into churches and synagogues and back into their faith, because their faith seems to be government, and government's just not serving them well. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a great question. You know, I think it's meeting people where they are. Um, and, you know, I, I recognize... Wait a minute, you wait a minute, wait a minute. That is a great point. I don't want to rush past that. Meeting people where they are. And I'll tell you why yes. I think that's a great point. Then you can tell me why you know it's a great point. I have a Chabad rabbi. Now, what does that mean? Most of the world that's not Jewish has no idea. 
these are rabbis who go to where the people are, who go to their homes, go to their places of work. They're not bound by some facility where you have to show up. Every, this is what they do. This is what the old rabbis used to do. I, I suppose that's what Jesus used to do, too. They go to where the people are to talk to the people. And this is the biggest growing part of the Jewish community right now. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? That's, that's I mean, I want to say amen, Mark, because that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I, I had the pleasure on Friday night of having dinner with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's a, a big pastor in the Christian faith, trained under Billy Graham, um, and some other really outstanding people from the Museum of the Bible. And, you know, one thing I was struck by, he filmed the movie The Jesus Revolution. It was about... Hold your thought. Hold your thought. Hold your thought. Yep. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, and I'm not going to be. I want you to hang on so we can have a more fulsome discussion after the break. The book is, and you really ought to get it, especially now, Serenity in the Storm. It'll help you. Trust me, it'll help you. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're talking to Kaylee McEnany about her fantastic new book, Serenity in the Storm. Beautiful book, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. You can get it on Amazon.com, any major bookstore. All my social platforms have it there now if you want to check it out. And it's also a discussion about faith and the application to events that are taking place in the world today. For instance, education. You're very, very concerned about what's happening with young people today. Go ahead and discuss that a little bit. You know, and it's the parents' rights being taken out of it all. I was so dismayed. Um, you, you hear about this kind of thing in California, um, but you don't often hear about it in Florida, though so it, so it's happened. Um, you know, if parents sent their daughter to school, young girl, comes home, uh, different gender, different name, totally unbeknownst to the parents, and they find out about it, Mark, when she has two suicide attempts in the school bathroom. Terrible. And this kind of story, you know, it's a one-off, right, you think? But it's not, because something similar happened in California, happening across the country. And when you're totally and completely removed from your children's life, really, um, you know, Joe Biden has said on multiple occasions, it's kind of like the child is the teachers when they're in the child's classroom. And to him, I would say I was pregnant for 10 months. I can tell you with certainty that, you know, all of the steps I went through to give birth to this wonderful little boy who's five months old, it is my child. It's Sean's child. It's God's child. It's, it's not a teacher's child, though I, I very much respect their profession. 
And this is the kind of insidious indoctrination that's happening in schools on gender, on race. And we've got to be accountable on this. And, and just one last point, you know, Governor DeSantis's office, I asked them, like, hey, what kind of books are you finding? You guys are really on this books and libraries kick with Disney and, and the fights we've seen there. Um, the stuff they sent me, I've tried to put it on Fox, and we've been able to put up some of it in a blurred format. We're in the noon p.m. hour on Outnumbered. But the images are so bad that have been found in elementary schools, we cannot put them up, Mark. And these are in young kids, third, fourth grade kids' classrooms, depictions of people having intercourse in vivid detail that is in the minds of our children. And the left just says banning books, and we're supposed to surrender to the woke mob and say, okay, you're right, we're not the party of banning books. And it's, it's not banning, as you know, but this kind of stuff is going on all across the country, even in red states like Florida. Your point is very, very important because Biden gets out there, he's constantly using that phrase, they're banning books, they're banning books. No, they're banning pornography. They're banning perversion. Right. They're, they're banning things that, if any parent had books like this at home showing their six and seven-year-old, they'd lose their child. You would hope, you would think. And so Biden is obviously defending these books in classrooms and in the libraries. Do you think the Republicans do a good enough job explaining this? No, no. And this is on several issues, Mark. They just say, you're banning books. No, we're not the party of banning books. We're the party of not having pornography in the faces of kindergartners. You know, they say you're the party against banning assault weapons. No, we're the party for school security that would actually protect children, which Biden has said he's against. You know, you're the party who wants to take away women's rights. No, we're the party that doesn't want to be in the camp of North Korea and China when it comes to our abortion laws. But they attach labels to us. And we never take the offense. And that's one of the things I always tried to do at the podium is, you know, they throw something at me and you've got to spin it and you've got to be on offense and point out how extreme, how, how radical they are, because they are so good at singing from the same, same song sheet. Uh, we are the party of banning books and it works to great effect. You know, it worked in the midterms and we've got to be pitch perfect come the next 18 months because America's future depends on it. I just feel the Republicans do not know how to unite speaking complete sentences, get their points across. Instead, we get people like Nancy Mace running all over the place. Um, these self-hating uh, conservatives and Republicans, if pseudo-conservatives, who say, don't discuss this, don't discuss this. Why shouldn't we discuss that Democrats want abortion on demand right up to the last minute? Partial birth abortion. Why don't we explain what that is? We need to do these sorts of things. You know, you were a... Uh, a, a policy and spokesperson for the RNC. You've had quite a career in a very, very short period of time, so you know how to do these sorts of things. I just feel like we're very bad at it. You even cover Afghanistan in your book and relate it back to faith. How do you do that? You know, Afghanistan, it's, it's pretty amazing, Mark. You know, sometimes it's easy to see the glass half empty, um, and how can you not when we lost 13 service members, heroes in Afghanistan, when, you know, Biden said, we, we won't lose this country. You know, it's not a Friday to Monday sort of thing. Like Blinken said, they were all false. They, they were all lying on that because that's exactly what happened. And they were warned about it. It's easy to get dismayed. Um, you know, we lost 2,448 service members in Afghanistan. And then here we are, the country gone. Um, but the underside of that is I, I got to interview a woman who radiated with joy, um, with happiness, and she said she was lucky and she was blessed to live in Afghanistan and Taliban run Afghanistan. And she said she's lucky because the people of Afghanistan, she's a member of the underground church. 
So the people of Afghanistan saw the American soldiers at the Abbey Gate, and they saw light, and they saw goodness, and they saw faith. And now they see darkness, and they see dimness. And she said the number of people who are now believing in God, who are turning their lives around. She said she's seen murderous brothers who's mur- who have murdered many, many people in their lives, who have now surrendered their lives and are now living totally and entirely differently. Um, and that's happened because of the light that the American troops and soldiers brought over, you know, two decades. So, you know, their sacrifice was not in vain. Many lives are being changed because they recognize uh, the beauty of freedom. And it, it took the American uh, men and women who, who sacrificed and gave every single ounce of what they had uh, to give hope and to light to, to so many over there in Afghanistan. The book is Serenity in the Storm by Kaylee McEnany, Living Through Chaos by Leaning on Christ. Leaning on Christ. You go to church frequently, I assume, but you can lean on Christ at home, right? You can lean on him anywhere. Just you lean on God anywhere. Yep. I do it every day. You know, I, that's how I make it through my day. Some days are tough days, um, but every day has been a blessed day for me. Um, my, my troubles are so small in comparison to others. But, you know, I, I write a lot about loneliness and dark periods in, in life and how he always shows up. He really does. And, you know, that's the key to this next generation, to Gen Z, um, taking the focus off the selfie and the self and the creator of the self. Um, because when you have that ultimate hope, it really makes the mild problems of this life just look like blips on the radar of a, a much bigger picture. You also talk here about the heart conversion. You want to talk about that? I do. You know, um, I'm very candid about how my life changed. I, I received three calls, um, pretty important calls. One was from a president asking me to be his press secretary. One was from a uh, doctor telling me I had an 84% chance of breast cancer. Not not as great of a call as the call from the president. Um, but then I had one call where I, I left work early. Um, this is just after college. I'm living in New York City alone. Um, no one was answering their phone. I just wanted to talk to someone. I was just, you know, in a low place, like I think some young women feel today. Um, and I said, God, if you're out there, I got to hear from you. And I need to hear from you right now. And Mark, I kid you not, in that moment, my phone lit up. A number I didn't know, and I said, "If this is a telemarketer, I don't care. I just want to. I want to talk to someone." And it wasn't. In fact, was my church saying, "This is the journey, church. We feel like we need to pray for you. How can we pray for you?" And in that moment, you know, I'd, I'd heard about God my whole life, um, but my heart converted and changed, and my life changed. And I have a rock uh, that never fails me. And one of your rocks, I think, is your husband. Correct? Tell us about him. Yes, you've met him. Um, he yes. is he is so wonderful. He played um, Major League Baseball for 11 years. He is just a solid man and husband. We met on Twitter, which is kind of funny. Like, that speaks to the millennial generation. Um, but you know what? He has been the best husband. But the most incredible thing is when you have a spouse and you watch how they become amazing fathers and mothers. And, you know, to see Sean with my kids, he is just um, the, the rock of our family, instilling in our kids tradition um, and faith. And we're giving them the kind of upbringing I had where, um, you know, I, I asked Blake at night, I go, you know, where does God live? And she goes, in my heart, in my heart. And that's because she has an amazing role model in Sean. Um, and I try to do the same. But we, we just have an awesome family. And it's uh, very blessed. We live a very blessed life. I remember when the two of you would come to book signings, the one in... Uh... Was it Palm Beach Gardens or somewhere yeah. around there? Yeah. Sean was in spring training. Yes, we stood in line to see you. I probably would have said, what are you standing in line for? 
No? <laughs> I hope I said that. No. I, I think you did say that. Um, and Sean, uh, you're being that, sweet. I must not have. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he just he listened to the the great one, you know, forevermore. We're both babies of of talk radio. I mean, you know, I, I listen to Rush. I listen to you. Um, my my husband listened to you, and and when we met, he's like, "Do you listen to the great one?" And whenever we'd get in his truck, you know, I grew up in my dad's truck. I, I listened to Rush a lot. Um, he informed a lot of my my young years. And Sean, you know, I, I started riding in the truck, not with my dad, but my husband and the great one um, just played a oh, lot of, across our radio waves. And um, boy, are you brilliant. And what an honor no. it is to have you as really a leader in the conservative movement. Well, you're terrific. You really are, Kaylee McEnany. Folks, this book deserves to be read. I think it'd be a fantastic Mother's Day gift. Uh, it's a beautiful book, uh, Serenity in the Storm. So many good things about the book and in the book and about the author. You can get it at uh, Amazon.com. We've linked to it on all my social sites, Twitter and all the rest of them. I encourage you to go on there, get a copy today. And uh, I know you won't be disappointed. Even more than that, I know your mother won't be disappointed. And Kaylee, again, job well done. All the jobs you do are well done. Congratulations. It's fantastic. Thank you. High praise coming from you, Mark. All right. Take care of yourself. Very good. Thank you so much. Have a good and one. By, and by the way, uh, we got to work on getting you on my Sunday show one of these weeks soon. Uh, we can discuss the book and other things. So we'll, we'll look into that soon, okay? Oh, you know I'd love that, Mark. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. God bless. You know, sometimes you meet very kind, nice, happy people. She's one of them. And my wife loves her, too, Kaylee McEnany. She just is that kind of person. Her husband is, too. It's a fantastic family. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The illegal alien who murdered five people the other night has been captured by the uh, CBP's tactical unit in a joint operation with other law enforcement. He's been deported five times, um, and he massively killed, or he killed in a mass shooting, uh, a number of people. Now, it's interesting, uh, the Democrats will probably talk about weapons, but they won't talk about the fact that this man was an illegal alien. Maybe we should ban illegal aliens, huh? I wonder what Biden thinks of that. Not much. Not much. I wonder what Beto O'Rourke thinks about that. Not much. How about Chuck Schumer? You get the point. The killer is who killed. And it's too bad. In this sense, I know Texas has the death penalty. And maybe they can define a reason. They should be able to, to execute him. Five deaths seems to me to be a good reason. He's been deported five times. He comes back and he slaughters people. Death penalty, yes. Illegal immigration, no. And so it wasn't the weapon. It was the illegal immigrant. Now people say, but American citizens kill too. Uh, yes, they do. 
and we need to deal with that too. But if the illegal alien wasn't here, these five people would be alive. And that's on Joe Biden's hands. Oh, yes, it is. And on the hands of all those individuals and groups and politicians. And by the way, uh, there's more. I mean, we have murder taking place, mayhem of all kinds, horrible, horrible things going on on that border. But we have a phony press like Maggot Haberman is so obsessively focused on Donald Trump. I believe she's still reporting on uh, Bill Clinton, but I could be wrong about that. Could be totally wrong. Boy, that was a quick show. Don't forget, folks, get Kaylee McEnany's book. It's really terrific. Serenity in the Storm. Serenity, folks. That's what we need. And she does a fantastic job in this book. Get it at Amazon.com, any of my social sites. Get it now while it's discounted right, hot off the presses. I want to salute all of you, thank all of you, God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow.